We need to get back to work. And work is one of the ways that we contribute to this country, that we grow our GDP, we grow our tax base, we contribute to each other effectively, we help finance our national security, our homeland security, our, you know, our infrastructure. I had key employees that really wanted to be leaders in the company, but they didn't want to have any ownership and responsibility that way. So I just had to start researching out and, and figuring out, well, how do I market my company? Go to your local school board, what for one hour twice this year and if you can have even just 10 or 15 employers show up and do that at the same school board every single month there's two contractors filling out a little card to to, to give your 30 seconds at the podium that says i need your help and we have great jobs eventually they will hear you but if everyone just did two hours a year that's how we change this stacy how you doing this morning i'm doing great <laughs> she loves it i ask the question every time she's <laughs> like I'm fine, dude. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little much. And I say to that owner, I said, I said, so you're not willing to invest in yourself? You're not going to invest in yourself? You're going to invest in companies you have no control over? Whereas your company you control, and you don't have the confidence to pour the money into that. When things are busy, and they're looking for their GC friends to sit down and negotiate a project on a GC and a fee, and they're more excited about building the project, and then all of a sudden the model, the market swings, and now the developer market is going to go out and they're gonna hard bid the same project to two or three different GCs. And that's where, that's where it starts going down. It's morning huddle time, good morning. Uh, I've got Chris with us and Stacy with us this morning. Good to see you both. Stacy. how are you today? I'm doing great. A little shout out to my new intern, Lexi. So hopefully she logged on today, but she's going to be helping us with some of the morning huddle activities uh, throughout her internship this summer with me. Wonderful. Help yes. is something we need. Uh, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's great news, Stacey. It's great. Chris, how are you this morning? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Stacey, for having me on. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, so uh, Chris Bybee is the director of strategic growth for Interplay Learning, and um, he's uh, Interplay Learning's an is a is a company that has designed immersive sort of virtual reality uh, training experiences for uh, the the skilled trades. So, there there are ways to uh, you know create faster educational paths. I'm going to let Chris describe this a little bit more. Chris, talk a little bit about the company and maybe a little bit more on your background so our audience has a sense of, for sort of who you are. Yeah, no, thanks, Chad. No, you, you nailed a lot of it. Um, yeah, so as Chad mentioned, I'm Christopher Bybee. I serve as uh, Interplay Learning's uh, Director of Strategic Growth, really looking at new markets, new opportunities. And uh, the more interesting thing is really what Interplay does. And as Chad mentioned, we're we're trying to be the uh, global leader of on-demand career trades training. And, and how we do that is we do that via simulations. So I think the simplest way to put it is think of a video game. Instead of shooting a bad guy, we swap out that with troubleshooting a, a rooftop package unit or fixing a toilet. Um, and, and we're really trying to bring this simulated environment, which allows for very scalable training uh, to the next generation of workers. We're trying to equip contractors, educators, workforce development programs with a tool um, to really meet that next generation of worker and, and train them up in a faster, faster way. So excited to dive in and, and really appreciate you all having me on. No, it's, it's our pleasure. And, and if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Stacy, uh, isn't there some personal connection that you have 
to to interplay or, or interplay, at least yeah um my boss at the time mark jury who's now with mark jury associates he um me and him sat down with interplay maybe like six years ago and you guys were kind of in preliminary stages and more on the residential end than commercial um, but since then, and you'll get into it, I mean, they've made so many great improvements. He just gave me a demonstration a couple months ago. Um, so I'm pr it's pretty impressive. So you'll, you'll well, get to see it. It's definitely an exciting time for technology of all kinds. It's, it's an exciting time for technology in the building industry and for, for all the ugliness that uh, COVID brought us. One of the things I think COVID did bring us, at least in the building industry, is a willingness to... to um, uh, embrace technology out of necessity in a way that uh, didn't exist before. And I, I'll be interested to know, did that propel the growth or the, or the, you know, sort of the, I don't know, did, did, did that change? Did COVID change in any way the trajectory of your business? Yeah, no, no, entirely. I, I think you, you nailed it on the head. I think the, you know, the construction industry generally tends to follow second on some of these technology changes. Right. And, yeah. and I think what we saw was, contractors and educators got comfortable with the idea of online remote learning out of necessity, like you said, through COVID and um, where, where we were able to step in. And I think where VR and, and other augmented technology is able to step in is really by creating those lifelike, field-like environments um, in that technology world. So you reduce uh, materials costs entirely, right? You no longer need uh, a lab space to teach your guys. You also don't have, don't have to worry so much about safety. Um, so you can put them in an environment that's safe and, and they can right. practice. If you electrocute that. yourself virtually, you're going to be okay. <laughs> we're, we're working on that. We're working on a way to, you know, really Ow. put this. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> should. yeah, exactly right. But, you know, I guess uh, in summary, I think it was it was overall a good thing, I think, for the construction industry, for virtual reality in general. Um, and we were excited to help fill that gap in kind of that that time. That's cool. So, so by way of a, a additional play in, just to kind of uh, get everybody's head wrapped around exactly what this looks and feels like, I'll apologize in advance for our audio only audience that may be listening to this via Spotify or, or Apple Music or Apple uh, Podcasts or what have you. Uh, but um, uh, I'm going to play a uh, what is it? A little less than a minute video clip that kind of goes through what this looks like and and feels like. Uh, and and Stacy coming away from that. I'm going to ask you, obviously, to do what you do so well, which is to you know work with the audience and and uh, capture any questions uh, that we can bring back uh, with the last ten minutes or so. All right, sounds good. Awesome. All right, cool. <clears throat> Let's check this out. Cool. 
All right. So for those who are joining audio only, what what just occurred uh, was you, you could actually see this experience in action where you have somebody with the VR and you'll talk about some of this technology itself, but with a VR headset is the best as I can describe it yeah. uh, and a couple of hand controls actually going through the process of messing with electronics, uh, not electronics, but uh, appliances, right. um, you know, uh, uh, HVAC units, uh, you know, th things along those lines. And um, so, so uh, which I think is really impressive and it's exciting. I'm going to ask Chris, what, what's your, what's the goal with, with, you know, the, this whole movement, speaking maybe a little bit less about interplay at this point, and maybe more as a as a spokesperson for for you know the the movement that might be VR in construction training. Yeah, that's no, a good it's a good question, and I think you know VR is. I'll 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 make a quick comment about VR, and then I'll tie it all back to your main question. But VR is a, a part of our technology. It's an important part, but it's not not the crux of it, really. Um, the, the simulations are, which can be delivered on VR, desktop, tablet. And why that's important is because that allows this tool to be a one-to-many scalable solution. And when you look at kind of the more professional um, workers, so, you, you know, desk jobs, they've got a lot of tools like Masterclass, LinkedIn Learning, where this, this idea of one-to-many scalable solution has worked very well um, from a teaching standpoint. And our kind of single truth that we believe in is that, um, the one-to-many skills training platform um, is really the the tool and solution to the global skill pro skills gap problem. So you have to have some sort of training tool that is deployable across geographies, meets learners where they're at, um, to really solve this skills gap we're seeing. And it equips the contractor with a tool that's deployable in that sense. It, it gives the learner a tool that's smart and, and complex and allows them to learn at their own pace. So um, ultimately, I think that that VR simulations and this broader scalable solution just allows um, for the construction industry to really combat the global skills gap, if you will. Right on. I, you know, and I know you follow the morning huddle, so you know that in our past two episodes, we, we've been really talking about that skills gap. We talked with uh, Amy Rock, who's yep. you know, developed this um, you know, program inside Prince George's County Public Schools that's being emulated by other school systems, really talking about how do we get the young people involved. There's something that's designed to, to you know, address the, the total personnel count yep. problem that we have, uh, right? And, and, you know, leading then into uh, the conversation that we had last week um, you know, with Mark Perna, who was talking about generations in the workplace and what are we doing to engage y youth and, and young people. Right. Now you're talking about bringing VR to bear as a, a training tool, as a way of helping to close a skills gap. But another thing that I can't help thinking about is how that actually plugs in with the youth aspect that mm -hmm. both Amy and Mark were, were, you know, with us talking about for the past two episodes. So, um, to what extent, I guess, do, do you feel like, in addition to addressing the skills gap and bringing technology to where people are, that that are you? Do you have any reason to believe that this is helping in any way to attract more young people? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, one funny story that I like to tell, and it's one of our customers who, who has said it is, and, and he's a he's a big believer in interplay and kind of the broader, uh, you know, simulation technology is is. You know, the challenge is we, we try to recruit these 18-year-old, 19-year-old guys or girls into our program that spent the last 
eight, 10 years of, of high school or middle school using iPad, learning on, on the computer, and they show up on day one, and we put a 65-year-old guy in front of them to, to teach them out of a textbook, right? Right, with a chalkboard. Yeah, exactly. It's a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, a little bit of a funny story and, and you know, no shame against the, the 65-year-old instructor. But I, I think, you know, where we can step in is really as a supplemental tool. And it, whether it's us or, you know, another simulation or VR provider, um, I think it just it, it allows you to uh, almost make make the trade sexy again, if you will, uh, for right. lack of a better word. And, and, and so I think you're exactly right. You're spot on there. Well, and you said that or that that story illustrates it well, where I think what happens is the educational system has actually done a pretty nice job of integrating technology yeah. into young people's experience, whether that is, you know, partial virtual classroom environments or, you know, fully immersive experiences that they're going through, uh, you know, virtual, uh, yeah, virtually as a part of you know, their college curriculum or as a part of their, you know, tech school curriculum and things like that. I mean, certainly I'm here on location today <laughs> at Penn College, uh, which is a Penn State affiliate in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Uh, long story, but I'm up here hanging out. And um, and one of the I mean, th their their facilities are absolutely amazing. I'm not getting paid to say that, but they're really spectacular facilities in terms of you know technical education. And yeah, that, and now here they go into the workforce. And the tech, there's a tech drop off, right? It shouldn't it be the opposite, you know? Shouldn't it be like, all right, now I've graduated, now here comes the real stuff, yeah. And um, and you know, anyway, so so I do think that there's um, a you know, kind of a uh, a strategic advantage that an organization could get by embracing this type of um, you know, technology as a way of uh, attracting more of that young talent that right. has, has, you know, kind of come up with a technology background. Uh, okay. So, so yeah. fit this all in with apprenticeship programs. Help, help me understand where all that fits, because I think, you know, we, we all know that apprenticeship uh, programs are critical. Um, yep. is, is this going to replace apprenticeship? What happens? Yeah. In the near term, uh, the answer is no. Um, you know, we're, we're a believer that, that we're, we're not the first to come in with trades curriculum. Um, we, we believe that we have maybe a, an additional tool to put in, in the toolbox, um, but really a reinforcing mechanism at this point. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're well aware and close with a lot of the uh, national providers of curriculum for a lot of these apprenticeship programs and where we have really fit in as a supplemental tool um, to provide that enhanced hands-on training aspect. Do I, you know, from a biased pers perspective, believe eventually maybe there's a world where you could have a trade school from the Oculus. Absolutely. But we're certainly not quite quite there yet. Um, and for now, it's really as a, a supplemental tool. I think, um, you know, all the organizations that are fueling apprenticeship today, they're obviously doing a world of good. Yep. Um, and I think it's extremely important that they that, that there comes to be a collaboration between what you're talking about, what you're doing and and what they're actively doing and have been doing for decades. Agreed. Are you are you in communication with a, with with apprenticeship organizations or agencies uh, across the country? We are. Yeah. And, and in my mind, that takes a few forms. One is we, we actually have worked closely with the Department of Labor and have our own apprenticeship program. We really just did that so that 
our content, it can easily be placed into an existing program uh, and the standards don't have to be got updated radically. So that, that's kind of number one. Number two is we've worked closely with, with you know, folks like NCCR and other curriculum providers um, to say, how do we map to your curriculum? And then lastly is we've worked closely with a lot of associations who, who put all of this on, right? And, you know, the ABCs of the world, we're, we have a close partnership with ABC. Um, and so exactly right. We're, we're, we're late to the game in terms of apprenticeship, but we do believe that our tool allows kind of a uh, enhanced experience for both the learner and for um, the ultimate employer, right? We, we, our belief is that you're going to get a more, uh, a better trained, better equipped technician on day one than you would otherwise um, with this technology. And so really, again, I think it's just another tool in the toolkit. I think uh, I'm glad to hear you describe it the way that you are. Um, I feel really any any time you take uh, technology like this and you pit it against the yeah. establishment, if you will, it's a recipe for nothing happening. <laughs> right? Totally. totally um, so, so I, in, uh, you know, but anyway, you didn't come here for a lecture for me. I'm sorry. I think I, I think, heard it. I've heard it before. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're heading down a good path. I, I, I like that. So one of the things when you and I had a, a kind of a, just a, you know, get to know conversation leading yep. up to the show that we talked about is that um, 72% of contractors or 70 plus percent of contractors believe that they will have trouble finding labor in the years ahead and that they're currently having trouble uh, finding labor today. If I, I, I just anecdotally, without any hard statistics, I don't know a single trade contractor that wouldn't take more qualified, capable um, technicians, uh, foreman, management, you know, fill in the blank. Yep. Meanwhile, so they, they have this hard time finding labor. Meanwhile, they also uh, believe that they're going to be growing their businesses. And those two things don't mesh right where can what we're talking about help yeah yeah it's a good question and, and you're spot on i mean every every contractor we talk to is feeling the exact same pain and, and just one add-on point is that the pain is not just from you know if, if i have hvac shop i don't just feel the pain from chad's hvac shop i feel it from amazon um, and every other hourly employer who's investing in education as a benefit right um, but, where, where I where I think you know this technology can help is is a, is do a couple things. One, it allows you to broaden your recruiting funnel. Right, you, you might be able to recruit someone who has less skills because you're able to train them up faster with kind of the simulated technology. You you, you theoretically put them in the field faster in the virtual reality world um, than you would be able to you know in in actual real life. Um, number two is I think you with this technology, you're able to just get better data on, on what skills they're gaining, what skills they're having trouble with. And so it allows you to run, I would call a smarter shop, if you will, yeah. um, and know where to deploy, you know, uh, talent across the field. So um, in short, I think it reduces the training time. It allows a broader funnel, which just allows you to compete um, for talent, for the war on talent, as we described it. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I hope not upset you uh, no, when I say this, but I, so circa March 2020, right? Let's take everybody back to March 2020. No, I'm, let's not go back to March 2020. <laughs> but but um, 
I certainly experienced as a parent of, of three young children, two of whom were in school at that time. I remember virtual school. And I got to tell you, I don't think there was a lot of school occurring yeah. uh, you know, during that time. Our opinion, the picture we have now of online school, I mean, it's not very positive, right? So, so it, as we sh- sort of work our minds to embrace this idea of virtual learning, <laughs> um, you, you know, with, with what we're talking about here, help me understand why this is not going to suck. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And I think we've, uh, we've gotten all of that, that pushback, um, you know, I think the fundamental difference is is the the field like uh, field like learning, right? The simulations and and I, there's some good data about the, the media recall, which really just means how much do you remember um, compared to desktop learning when it's about 75 percent. So you're actually you know interacting with a desktop versus the simulation. Um, you recall about 75 percent of what you learn via desktop. You recall about 90 percent what what you learn via a simulation. So our belief is it's just better. You know, it's like saying. Um, you know, you're driving a, a you know, a, a dinged up old car in reality, what I think we're offering is kind of a, a new, a new Chevrolet, Chevrolet, right? It's we're I think there's a difference between kind of what we saw through the pandemic and that kind of zoom based online learning and the, and technology you see with simulations. So, um, the last thing I'll note is we will never claim to replace on the job training. Hands right. down, that will always be the best form of training. What's challenging is. Uh, there's typically, you know, one or two apprentices per journeyman, and that's hard to scale as you think about growing your business. Um, So this is just a tool to uh, both allow for better recall and be allowed to scale faster. Yeah, I got to tell you, one other thought that that I'll have, uh, I'll kind of layer into this. I've heard dozens of times about one key roadblock is reliable transportation every single day for people to get to classroom environments. Young people, uh, 18, 19, 20, you know, that, that kind of range, not uncommon that they don't have reliable transportation. I had an old school VW GTI. I would not call reliable yep. at that time. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I you know, I, I can relate. I think everybody, you know, at that age is, um, is potentially challenged. I think if there's, if there's a way to augment some of their education, uh, by bringing them an education at home that actually works, Totally. That actually really does work. It, there, there's, uh, there's something cool uh, to be done here. I'm going to bring back Stacy. I'm sure she has uh, amassed some questions, um, and, uh, and and we can kind of uh, hear hear more what the audience wants to cover because I could probably uh, geek out going down all. <laughs> so Chris Blake from Pivot Workforce, he had a couple questions. We already answered that NCCER question, but. Can you confirm what trades you're actually currently working with? Yeah, good question. So we um, we serve the HVAC, plumbing, electrical uh, markets. Um, all of those roll up well into a nice facility maintenance catalog as well. And then we also serve the multifamily industry. Stacy, as you noted earlier, we're, we have our roots on the residential side. We've done a lot of good work over the last year to move more into the con- uh, commercial side. Um, so you'll see more commercial service, more commercial install of content, both in the catalog and coming. And then <clears throat> what big um, like commercial contractors are you currently working with? Yeah, good question. I, I, I won't, I, I, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll just leave it at uh, 
the ABC relationship. I just don't don't want to name drop anybody without right. permission. But we, we do have a great relationship with ABC and several ABC chapters and a number of ABC contractors. Um, okay. we, we are working closely with um, a guy named John Morris through ABC Ohio Valley um, to both fit within their apprenticeship program and to sell through to all of their or a lot of their contractors as well. And then could you walk us through like you're a first year apprenticeship per or apprentice, um, just say plumber, electrician. What does it look like? You log into your system and can you just kind of visualize that somehow for us? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's similar to, you know, many other kind of uh, learning management systems. You'll have a dashboard which shows your um, it's like kind of your home base. Right. And you're able to see how many points you've acquired, what courses you have do that are upcoming, who on your team has more points than you. So we have a little bit of a competitive flair from there. We have our catalog and, and from there, you know, you're able to do the simulation. So you have access to all the, all the catalogs. Um, and in those catalogs, we have what's called learning paths, which is really just an organized way of putting all the simulations together or video courses to say here, let's walk through HVAC fundamentals one. Um, and, and we kind of take a walk job run approach where we will show you some videos, kind of teach the theory. We'll then show you a video of the simulation with one of our SMEs talking about, hey, here, Stacey's what you're, you're going to do in the simulation. And then we actually put you in the simulation. Um, and we have a couple different levels of that where we first, it's kind of like training wheels, very guided. And then it moves to kind of a more advanced where we really test your knowledge and, and recall. Nice. I could imagine uh, there as an organization, let's say I'm a, an electrical contractor that makes this investment in, in having um, VR technology be a part of our program. I could imagine there's a big potential fail point of us as an organization not knowing how to manage this particularly effectively. I hear things like learning paths and I, and I, I uh, absolutely agree there. That's, you know, sort of a well-established best practice for, you know, self-guided training, you know, type types of courses um, or, you know, yeah, self-guided. Um, is there, if, if I'm an organization wanting to implement something that incorporates at home, simu you know, si simulation learning, um, what what kind of advice would you have for that organization? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, I think ultimately you have to show outcomes to the learner, meaning, I mean, ultimately the, the biggest challenge we have is people don't, don't love to do training, regardless if it's this cool training or your traditional training. People like both the contractor likes their employer to be in the field and the um, likes their employee to be in the field and the employee uh, when they're not working, doesn't necessarily want to be doing virtual training. Right. They hate getting, they hate not getting paid to, to, to train. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so I think either you have to pay them for that time or you say, Hey, Chad, um, here's your learning path. Once you complete this and you've got six months of experience, here's the promotion that you'll be eligible for. Um, and so once you tie training to outcomes and skills achievement, I think there's just so much more buy-in and it's all about this cultural shift of, of education being embedded in, in the workplace and less of a check the box of, oh yeah, we did our safety training this month too. No, let's ensure that Chad is gaining skills in developing his career. I love it. Yeah. One of the things that in addition to the, I think those are fantastic points. One of the things that I would uh, wonder if you've seen is uh, 
when when an organization kind of assigns a, a director of training, or tra- you know, training director, even if they're a sm- small organization and that training director wears other hats, yeah. uh, you know, making you know somebody in a leadership capacity accountable for following through and and you know making sure that the that the people who are supposed to be doing this are doing this. I can't tell you how many people, how many contractors I've talked to who've told me. I, you know, there's nothing I can do. Like, I, it's amazing to me that I'm, tr- I'm trying to offer these guys free money and they don't complete their training. It's crazy yeah. to me you know, uh, uh, type of stuff. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, training directors, uh, what, what's your take? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we've that's another another observation we've had that you have to have someone who is responsible for it. And it doesn't it, you know, a lot of organizations are not big enough to have a director of training. And so maybe it falls on the you know, the person who handles all the HR, or maybe it's the owner. Um, but I think, yeah, as an owner of the business, you have to do the ROI math. And, and we've done a lot of the math ourselves, where you show when we add one, one guy, and we get him in the truck, we're going to drive $200,000 of revenue per year, right? And when you start to really peel back the layers, um, it, you can start to justify some of these investments um, right. as, as an owner, um, but you're totally right, you, you have to assign someone who is responsible for these technicians or, or employees, you know, doing the work. And I know uh, our, our good friend, Mark Drury, who's second call out in one show, Mark. All right. Good job. Uh, but <laughs> our good friend, Mark Drury will enjoy uh, hearing me say this, which is that you don't, organizations have to break the mentality that their job is to go out and find qualified people. Now their job is to find people who have the potential to become qualified people and then take educating their people really, really seriously and, uh, and, and grow their own talent. If you're waiting for somebody else to train people and put them in your organization, you're going to be waiting a long time uh, and you're going to be falling behind. So, uh, so look, uh, I, I love this conversation. Stacy, do we have any other questions? Uh, I just have a quick question on the career path of things. If someone wants to get hired within your organization, um, how do you look for people that know the construction trades and also know VR or what kind of positions are you looking for? Because that seems a little tough. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I, I didn't know really anything about the HVAC or plumbing or electrical industry when I started and um, have learned a lot. But we, we employ a number of SMEs, market experts, subject matter experts, um, who help both on the content side and then help my team on how do we go to market effectively. So I guess, you know, what I would say really for the audience listening is, yeah, if you don't know anything about VR, but you have a passion for the trades and you want to help on developing the next uh, set of content for, for these learners, I would I would welcome a conversation because we're always looking for additional help to think through content or, or, you know, go to market strategies really to better serve, you know, the, the contractor and the employer. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, no, Chris, any, any final, any final words before we jump? No, just re- really appreciative uh, to be on here. I, I um, have enjoyed y'all's show and um, Mark's, uh, Mark's been a, a fun guy for us to work with. And so um, anybody who has Mark on us, I guess is, is I'm a, I'm a big fan <laughs> of Thank you guys. And, and yeah, thank you so much for the time. Thank so you. Great. Real pleasure. Okay, Stacy, let's talk about what we have coming up next week. Um, yeah. And uh, my gosh, we're heading down the final stretch of season two. I cannot believe it. I know. Uh, we're, we're um, it's moving fast. It really is. Uh, so, so one thing that I want to uh, just uh, plug real quick is that if, as we're loading up for season three, which is going to get rolling in the sort of early fall, 
Um, if you or someone you know has an important story to tell about creating positive change in the building industry, reach out to me or Stacy and, uh, and and let us know. We're putting together guests. I think we have uh, 13 or 14 shows that we'll be putting on uh, in uh, in season three. I think we have something like six guests already lined up here in you know in May. Yeah, we'll probably fill up quickly. Season two filled up really quickly. So if you have any interest, um, we're definitely looking for like fun and new topics surrounding the building industry and then we'll have some re you know popular guests return no doubt yeah so, some folks that we uh that we definitely got cut off with and said we could keep talking for uh for, for a long time so good please reach out to us on that next week uh along the lines of interesting topics we've got Dwayne Gleason coming to talk about connecting uh digital and physical construction Dwayne is somebody who spent uh the first half of his career working in the field, in the trenches with a construction company and uh, and then has spent spent the second portion of his career to date behind a computer screen, taking what he learned in physical construction and applying it to the digital world. It should be a really interesting discussion with one of the uh, leaders at uh, Trimble, who's obviously a, a you know leader in construction tech. Uh, so please do join us for that. Uh, and then finally, a reminder uh, to everybody to, you know, just shoot Stacy a note. Let us know that, you, you know, you want to be on our weekly newsletter, that you don't want to have to try to keep up with the LinkedIn invites. And you just want to get an email that tells you what's happening and when so you can click and register. Um, with all of that, anything, Stacy, that I've missed or that you want to add? Nope. You got it. <laughs> right. I love that. All right. So thank you so much. Uh, again, to Chris, uh, Stacy, great job getting Chris here. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm glad that we had that conversation. I think that uh, uh, it'll lead to some really interesting discussions internally for our for our audience. Nice. Well, have a great day, and we'll Thank see you, you next Tuesday. Sounds good. See ya. See ya.